Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everybody, welcome into the Film and Whiskey Podcast. We are back with another special bracket episode. Mm, bracket episode. It is part two of our season five bracket challenge. Brad, this is it. It has all come to this. Bob, I can't believe that here we are at the end of it all. Yeah. Together. <laughs> I'm glad to be with you, Samwise Gamgee. <laughs> <laughs> It is very similar to Mount Doom, like what we do with these movies. We just toss them in, attached yeah. to a golem, and they sink yeah. to the bottom, you know? They, they Just one after another. <laughs> so if you've been listening to the podcast, and hopefully if you've listened to part one, you know that we are down to our final eight films in our bracket to decide the champion of season five. And I will read those films right now, Brad. We are talking about Gone Baby Gone, Star Wars Revenge of the Sith, Good Night and Good Luck. Signs, Charade, Spider-Man, Marriage Story, and Edge of Tomorrow. I don't know if I would have picked these eight as the eight that we had at the beginning of the season, Brad, but I don't regret this at all. Like, these are eight absolute bangers. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, <laughs> making it all the way to the Elite Eight. We, uh... We ended the last episode with you saying that you were just going to ride this movie into the sunset. You're just going to, it was going to be your chaos candidate. Hey man, Spider-Man is my nephew's absolute favorite superhero. Mm. And so in his honor, I am going to just ride <laughs> Spider-Man all the way to the finish. Perfect. I will be his Mary Jane. He will carry me to the victory. <laughs> and I will try to play spoiler as the Green Goblin, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man, you guys know the drill. We eliminate movies from existence. That's the criteria here. If this movie no longer existed, would you feel bad? Yes or no? Sometimes we have very difficult decisions to make, but these movies get cast into the fiery furnace, never to be seen or heard from again until only one film remains. And Brad, that brings us to our first matchup. But before we get there, quick plug, this is not just the <laughs> film podcast. This is the film and whiskey podcast, and we are drinking two whiskeys today. From Yellow Rose Distilling out of Texas, they've sent us two different bourbons to try. Brad, I am really, really pumped about these bourbons because they came with a beautiful care package in the mail. You are the yeah. recipient of a t-shirt, a trucker cap. Uh, I kept a set of coasters, uh, and they had four little chocolates that came with them. They were very, very nice. And uh, I noticed uh, I didn't get any of those chocolates, Bob. Yeah, because they came to my house like four weeks ago. Like, I, I needed to eat them. <laughs> They'd been melting. Uh. Bob, I will say, uh, I'm pretty picky about my hats, and uh, the Yellow Rose hat went straight into the rotation. Like, I have worn it multiple times, and I've only had it for a few days. So what we're saying so, is, uh, we are absolutely buyable. You know, our, our unbiased review is going to be performed while we are wearing <laughs> full Yellow Rose garb, you know? <laughs> we're in, man. All right, we're 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 also into this bracket. Let's get to the first matchup. We're talking about the overall number one seed, Gone Baby Gone, up against the number eight seed, Revenge of the Sith. Brad, I, I got to say, Revenge of the Sith is certainly the more iconic movie, certainly the movie that has 
uh, impacted culture more than Gone Baby Gone. But Gone Baby Gone is like a perfect movie. And I I think I'm going to move Gone Baby Gone past Revenge of the Sith in this matchup. I actually really struggled with this one because I, I just I love Star Wars so much. I think that the ending of Revenge of the Sith is simply spectacular. The moment when the helmet like sucks into place and he takes his first breath, that might be one of the most perfectly crafted shots in movie history. Uh, but Bob, I also moved Gone Baby Gone ahead. Can we take a moment before we just like, you know, cast this thing off into the the lava flames of Mustafar um, <laughs> to talk about how good Gone Baby Gone is like no one has seen this movie. And then as soon as someone watches that movie, I feel like I get a text that's like that movie was incredible. If you have yeah. not seen Gone Baby Gone, you are like legitimately missing out. I will say one thing. I Have you ever seen Patch Adams? <laughs> Where is this going? I'm I'm asking a question, Bob. Have you ever seen Patch Adams? I have, yeah, one time, a long time ago. So, I think the problem with Patch Adams is a similar problem with Gone Baby Gone. Okay. <laughs> I just oh now God. I just want to string this out as long as I, I, I think can. you should because I have no idea where you're going with this. See, here's the thing. Patch Adams is like a nice fun movie, but the dark part of that movie is like way too dark to to have any like good feelings after the movie mm. does that make sense mm -hmm. the dude like lures her into his house and then murders her and then everybody's just like yeah this doctor makes funny jokes yeah sure ah. and spoilers I for patch adams apparently <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know 40 years later right i i guess i'll just say that about gone baby gone what happens in that movie which I, I'm I'm not going to reference, but uh, it's super dark and it sure. makes me never want to watch the movie again um, in a very different way than like uh, a Vertigo or mm. or something like that. Like Vertigo, I'm like, I'll go back and watch that. But man, that's a tough movie to watch. Yeah, yeah. This one is just harder. Yeah, I'm, I feel like it must have had a pretty emotional impact on you because this was not something you brought up during the episode, but... I do think Gone Baby Gone is a movie that you could probably catch on television and still get the gist of it without seeing, like, all of the unedited stuff. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah. Probably. I, I don't watch TV, though, so. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, all right. Gone Baby Gone is moving on into our final four, and that takes us to the bottom hold, part. Hold up a second. What? I love that you were like, before we throw this into the fires of Mustafar... Let's talk about the movie that's moving on. <laughs> like, well, I, I thought you were going to say, like, one or two more nice things about Revenge of the Sith. Listen, man. Like, oh, you, yeah. You it's one me... of the best John Williams scores. It is. You got me to absolutely gush about that movie during the I episode. I did. That's all you're going to get was... out of me. It's a great movie. <laughs> it's just not as good as Gone Baby Gone. I think the point I was trying to make was, like, listen, if we think it's better than a Star Wars movie, if Brad thinks it's better than a Star Wars movie... It's a really good movie. It is. It is. All right. <laughs> Down into the lower left part of our quadrant we go, where we have Good Night and Good Luck facing off against M. Night Shyamalan's Signs. In a sneaky way, this is probably the hardest matchup for me in this Elite Eight, because they are both movies from my list. They are both movies that mean a lot to me. 
Uh, good night and good luck is a movie that I feel like I've had to champion harder because fewer people have seen it. It's a very uh, quiet film, but it's just so dang good. And then you've got signs, which is maybe the, like my favorite. It was, it was probably the movie that most got me into being a movie nerd. Like I nerded out about that movie. Nobody else liked it as much as me. Uh, so I, I am going to move signs on, but this was hard for me, Brad. Yeah, it's it's a difficult decision because in Good Night and Good Luck, you just have really phenomenal performances that y- you just don't often get in movies anymore. They they are quiet, they're moving, they they just illustrate the importance. Ah, I don't I don't even know how to say it. Like we've said it before, it's the journalistic integrity. Like it's the importance of having somebody you can trust in in the world of media and i like that's becoming a ever more important message <laughs> in t- in today's world mm-hmm. um but if there's a more important message than that it's what we learn from signs which is that aliens are are bad and we have to stick with our families to fight them off boom <laughs> i'm moving signs on bob all right so we have our first two entries into the final four here we've got gone baby gone and signs. Brad, we're going to stop in just a minute and drink some whiskey. But before we get there, it is time for us to bust out the film and whiskey awards. This is something we only do at the end of every season. And Brad constantly forgets that we do them. So it's always a surprise to Brad. 100%. I uh, (laughs) as soon as you said it, I was like, well, I got to make something up. All right, well, we're going to start with some ones that are more objective. They come from the scores that we gave to films throughout the year. And we are going to start with the most overrated movie. Now, the way we measure this is based on the average of our two scores compared to what the general public thinks of a movie based on its IMDb score. So, Brad, what do you think is a movie that the general public valued significantly higher than we valued it? I am going to guess To Catch a Thief. Good guess. But no, that was not the Uh most overrated. That was simply overrated. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. (laughs) Much overrated. Um... Man, outside of that, oh, Harry Potter 8, I bet. It was Harry Potter 8, The Deathly yeah. Hallows Part 2. On IMDb, it has an 8.1 out of 10. We gave it a 7.0. So we were quite a ways off from what IMDb thought. But you know what? That tells you that we didn't have any like crazy outliers where IMDb thought it was like an 8 and we thought it was a 3. I was going to say, in general, it feels like our scores came out Pretty similar to where IMDb was this season. You know what? Pretty much across the board, Brad, I my average score that I gave this season was an 8.38 and your average score was an 8.50. So we were within huh. basically one decimal point of each other. And uh, IMDb rated most of our movies as a 7.46. Oh, we rated them at we an like 8.44. Our- 8. <laughs> we like our movies more than IMDb does. <laughs> I'm somehow not surprised. And yet, like, the two of us are merging in what we think. We're only 0.1 off from each other in terms of how we value our movies. And when it comes to our whiskeys, I rated our whiskeys at 36.39, and you rated them at 36.50. So we're, like, Ooh. we're becoming the same person, Brad. <laughs> we we are amalgating into one. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. All right. Our second film and whiskey award for the day is the most underrated movie. This is the complete opposite. A movie that the general public did not like, but that we sing the praises of. Brad, what do you think was our most underrated film of the year? 
This one, I, I'm actually... Hmm, something that we loved, but the public does not. Um, Mission Impossible 3? That's a good guess, but it is not the most underrated. Hmm, maybe, maybe Prince of Egypt? There it is, the Prince of hey! Egypt. Which is also tied with Gone Baby Gone for this award. So on IMDb, Prince of Egypt only has a 7.1. We gave it a a 9.25. So we were like over 20% higher on this movie than IMDb is. Wow. Yeah. And we're that much higher on Gone Baby Gone as well? Yeah. uh, IMDb gave it a 7.6. We gave it a 9.75. Wow. Yep. Yeah. We we like those two movies. We sure do. (laughs) That's the most (laughs) underrated film of season five. Both of those movies are only in the like mid to lower sevens. Isn't that crazy? That's crazy to me. Yeah. All right. Shoot. And then finally, our most divisive film. This is the movie that Brad and I had the biggest split on. I think if you give this more than three seconds of thought, Brad, you'll probably get it. Um, I don't think it was Guardians 2. Was it Young Adult? No, although that's a really good guess. Okay. But it's something similar. Just flip the dynamic. Flip the dynamic. School of Rock. No, that would be the same dynamic. This is a movie uh, that you picked that oh. you love that I am like, that was a good movie. Oh, Secondhand Lions. Secondhand Lions, man. You gave it a Go. 10. And to be fair, I gave it a seven and a half. Like, I thought it was a good movie, but we were 25% yeah. apart on that movie. Okay, I, I can appreciate that. You know, Secondhand Lions, come pick up your most divisive film award. <laughs> All right, Brad, we have two whiskeys to try from Yellow Rose, the first of which is called Outlaw Bourbon, clocking in at 92 proof. You ready to get into this? I am super pumped, Bob. Let's get into it. All right, it's time for us to try some Outlaw Bourbon. Brad, I'm loving loving the Western theme here. Outlaw Bourbon from Yellow Rose Distilling. (laughs) Nah, dude, Clint Eastwood have, would have a field day if he was like the, the official voice of Yellow Rose Distillery. All right. So I got to say, before we even start anything, this was like a, a gift from the heavens in some ways, because I was just thinking the other day about one of our least favorite whiskeys ever, Mellow Corn. Mm. And Mellow Corn is a corn whiskey. And in the United States, uh, to be certified or designated as a corn whiskey, it needs to be at least 80% corn in the mash bill. But more importantly than that, it needs to be aged in used barrels, because if it's aged in a new barrel, it's just a bourbon that has a lot of corn in the mash bill. Right. So I started thinking to myself, like, I wonder if we've ever had a bourbon that is 100 percent corn in the mash bill, not a corn whiskey, a bourbon that's all corn. And I, mm-hmm. l- I picked up this bottle of whiskey and I looked at the label and I was like, my God, it was like, gads. I couldn't believe it. It's a, it's a 100% corn bourbon. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was really excited to see that as well. I, I was looking it up and I was like, man, a hundred percent corn. I don't know if we've ever seen that before. So no, yeah. And I don't, I don't think we have. And it's really interesting too, because it will give us an opportunity to nose one singular grain, the way that we've been able to do with rye. Like mm-hmm. we've had 100% ryes before that are aged beautifully, and we've had 100% ryes that are really, really young. And same thing with, you know, barley when we've had some single malts before. This is the first time we've been able to do that with corn. 
And Brad, I got to say, I think it's a little bit young still, and we'll talk about that. But what a cool experience to be able to take a, a whiff of like, oh, that's what corn as the only grain smells like in a whiskey. Yeah. And I honestly, I really enjoyed uh, the nose here. It, it was really dusty. Um, there was peach. There was a lot of corn, obviously. And then for me, I kind of got like a bit of like a mesquite barbecue note mm. that was yeah. really unique and interesting. Yeah. And then when you get to the taste, that's where the corn comes out. I mean, it's like the buttercream frosting version of a bourbon. It's <laughs> yeah. just it's really sweet. Again, I think it tastes a little young. I think that if you leave this in the barrel, if you could do that like this as a six year or eight year whiskey, I can't imagine how good it would be. I can't imagine how like just decadently sweet and how dark it would be from the barrel influence. Like and I'm not saying this is bad by any stretch of the imagination. It's not at all. But. I love me some sweet whiskey, and so I want to maximize the amount of sweetness that could come out of this thing. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think when you get into the end, there's a little bit of that mes mesquite tanginess, uh, yeah. some oak going on, but you yep. still get a really strong corn grain feel from it. Um, Bob, this is a really fascinating, smooth, just a, a really interesting experience of a whiskey. All right, man, we got to get back into the bracket. What do you say, Brad? I'm ready, man. Let's do it. All right. So that was Yellow Rose Outlaw Bourbon. Brad, we've still got one more to go. These things certainly pack a punch for 92 proof. I'm really impressed so far. Yeah, what they're able to do with just 92 proofs is uh, pretty <laughs> impressive, Bob. Only 92 proofs. They only have 92 of them, uh, but they use every one <laughs> to its maximum effect. All right, we're getting back into the bracket. We're in our final eight films. We're moving up to the upper right quadrant where the two remaining films are Cary Grant, Audrey Hepburn in Charade, and Tobey Maguire and Kirsten Dunst in Spider-Man. These films have absolutely no similarities. I was trying to think of something, <laughs> but that's about it. They both have a man and a woman in the two lead roles. They they do. They uh, They're both kind of mysteries, you know? Yeah, they're trying to figure out who Spider-Man is, who the Green Goblin is. Uh, now, listen, they, yeah. I, you you put yourself out there at the beginning of this episode and said that you were doing this for your nephew. Uh, but if I know you at all, you're going to betray your nephew right now because Charade was your number one ranked film of the season. Are you going to sacrifice Charade on the altar of the Marvel Cinematic Universe, Brad? What are we doing here? Heck no. <laughs> Charade is wildly better. Forget my than nephew. Spider-Man. <laughs> he, he can he can get thrown into Mount Doom with uh with Spider-Man. <laughs> All right, so Brad's picking Charade to move on. Brad I'm also Bob, picking an, I'm also picking this Charade. Is an yeah, this is an obvious Come on. one. <laughs> Once again, I don't think Charade is a perfect movie, but it's just so darn enjoyable. It's a delightful film. When it comes up against something that I really passionately care about, I think it's going to be a much more difficult conversation. But for now, Charade is moving into the final four. And that takes us down into the lower right quadrant where we've got Marriage Story, the number three seed, up against the number six seed, Edge of Tomorrow. Brad, remind the viewers of where we are at this exact moment in our evaluation of Edge of Tomorrow, because I feel like it's changed slightly since the episode we did on it. Yeah, I I think that Mission Impossible 3 
changed our viewpoint a little bit. Edge of Tomorrow is just a fantastically well-made, fun action movie that absolutely everyone needs to see. Uh, But it's no marriage story, Bob. I'm really glad that you like marriage story so much. I was really worried that that was going to be a movie that you were like, it was boring and I'm going to give you crap about it. But (laughs) no, Bob, I liked it. It was introspective. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, I'm also moving marriage story on. And that means, Brad, that we have had absolutely no debate throughout this episode so far. Zero controversy. We need to drink higher proof whiskey is what we need. The world needs a a, a calm in the midst of a storm, Bob. (laughs) Well, that means that we have our final four solidified in record time. I mean, honestly, we're going to have to figure out something to do here <laughs> because we are down to Gone Baby Gone, Signs, Charade, and Marriage Story. That means that we have the one, two, three, and five seeds left. Pretty mm. pretty much the poor, heavy hitters are still hanging around. Poor Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man was like the seven seed, wasn't it? No, it was the 23 uh, seed. It was the he 23 was, he was, seed. He was fine. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Brad, let me ask you this. Do you want to jump right back into whiskey reviewing or do you want to do some Brad G awards? Bob, I think it's time to get into the Brad G awards. Yeah, it is. The awards that Brad forgets he gives out every year. I'm pretty sure every last season year. you started referring to them, uh, the awards as the filmies. The filmies. Yes, <laughs> of course. Right. Obviously, that's what I d- decided. Yes. You know what the funny thing is? I literally like earlier was like, we should probably call them something like the <laughs> filmies. <laughs> I think you've done that for like three seasons in a row now. And I've just let you think that it's a novel idea every time. It's the filmies. Oh, man. Yeah, Bob, we're ready to give the filmies out. You're basically like Drew Barrymore in 51st Dates, <laughs> where I'm just like, I'm letting, <laughs> I'm going along with the deception at this point. Yeah, yeah, Brad, the filmies. That's oh, a my great gosh. idea. What a great idea, Grandma. Okay, so the first award that Brad gives out every season, as I'm sure he remembers, is the most unexpected film. This could be a movie that Brad had no idea existed that really caught him off guard and impressed him. It could be a movie that he thought would be just a a trudge to get through that ended up being really entertaining. This kind of makes it a little easier this season, Brad, because you'd already seen at least half the movies because they came from your list. That's right. But that doesn't exclude you from naming one of your own movies as most unexpected. It could be something that you thought wouldn't hold up. And you know what? It did hold up. So when you look through the list of our 32, what would you consider the most unexpected film? Um, I, I think out of every movie on here, I would say that Hunt for the Wilder People, most unexpected film. Because hmm. like. I was thinking Marriage Story, but I had I had a lot of people tell me, like, Marriage Story is a phenomenal movie, but you'll never want to watch it again. So, like, I, I was kind of spoiled a little bit there. Uh, I really think out of every single movie on here, I just was absolutely pleasantly surprised by Hunt for the Wilder People. It was fun. It was charming. Like, the performances by Sam Neill and uh, Ricky Baker, <laughs> uh, whatever, the Ju- Julian, wasn't it? Julian something? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, they, I mean, they're just fun and I, yeah, I was really taken aback by Hunt for the Wilder People. I like that. Good choice, man. Thanks, dude. All right. Hunt for the Wilder People. thing or two in five seasons. Yeah. All right. And then on the opposite end of things, we've got the biggest letdown award. Now, once again, this, this doesn't have to be something that was new to you. It could be something that you remembered being awesome that just ended up being, you know, just okay. 
Brad, when it comes to evaluating our 32 films, what was the biggest letdown of the season for you? Mm. Oh, there's an there's an obvious answer. Uh, I think I'll give two. Uh, the obvious answer and the one I'll go with is To Catch a Thief. Mm. Like we we've already kind of talked about this. It's a movie I just remembered enjoying as a kid, and then came into it and was like, "Wow, this is this is really slow paced, and there's no chemistry between Cary Grant and Grace Kelly, two of the most beautiful people ever to live." And I'm I just don't really know what's going on, and I'm not having a lot of fun. <laughs> so <laughs> straight that, up, that not was, having a good that, time, bro. <laughs> that was that was our experience with To Catch a Thief. Yeah, I got to say, too, I and I really tried to, like, bite my tongue in the weeks leading up to it because I didn't know, you know, we just kind of shared our lists with each other, but didn't say a lot of how much each film meant to us. And I didn't want to, like, offend you, but I I had just seen To Catch a Thief for the first time, like, I don't know, four or five months earlier. And I was like, this is not a good movie. Like, I... I really hope that Brad watches this and thinks to himself, <laughs> like, I didn't care for this because I don't know. I'm going to hurt his feelings otherwise. You know, I, the second movie, though, that I would say was a letdown. And I I, I don't know why. Mm, it was about time. Yeah. It, I, yes. I still love that movie. But the first time I saw it, I was just like, this is one of the greatest romantic films of all time. Mm-hmm. And this, I think this is maybe my third time. It was my second time at least watching it. And I was like, oh, this, this definitely is just like a fine, solid film. So that was kind of a letdown for me. Once it figures out what kind of movie it wants to be, it really starts to click. Like that last 30, 35 minutes is really good. But yeah, I had the same experience with some of my movies, man. Like Hunt for the Wilder People ended up being just a really enjoyable film. Chef ended up being just, you know, a good movie that doesn't aspire to much more. Uh, up in the air went from being like one of my favorite films of the century to a very, very good movie that is, you know, flawed. I think like if anything, this season helped us kind of look at movies we hadn't watched in a while through a more objective lens. So, yeah, yeah, I appreciate it, man. So, uh, Richard Curtis, come pick up your most overrated movie award from Brad's house. <laughs> <laughs> He's got it waiting for you. Come on down. Come on down. All right, man. Time for us to drink some more whiskey. Let's get into this Yellow Rose Harris County. What do you say? Uh, are you sure you don't want to just like uh, vamp a little bit more? No, no, I'm good. I'm good. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Let's drink some whiskey, Bob. <laughs> all right. It's time to try this Harris County whiskey. This is a bourbon from Yellow Rose Distilling, who we've already said has just sent us the nicest, most generous package ever. Yeah. Brad is over here rocking a trucker cap and everything else. Dude, so. I, th- like I said, man, this hat is dope. <laughs> I, like, <laughs> I was super pumped to see it. All right. So this Harris County, in the mash bill, it has corn, rye, and barley. Pretty standard for a bourbon. It's been aged at least two years. I think it's been aged at least three years. It comes in at 92 proof. Brad, what are you picking up on the nose of Harris County? Uh, this is this is a really nice nose. Uh, for me, I feel like I'm picking up a lot of rye. It's got it's got a really strong rye presence mm-hmm. at the start. And there's a little bit of tobacco, and then I felt like it kind of moved into like a cherry cordial. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot going on here, and I think that up front, I want to say that the complexity of this pretty much overrides some of the youth. Like, but I I do want to point out that I think it's a little bit young on the nose. But it has so much promise. Like 
the notes that I kind of kept taking on this all the way throughout were just like almost there. Like you are almost mm. there with this whiskey. And if it was a year older, even, I think it would just kind of explode with some more flavor and it would have those rough edges kind of sanded off a little bit. Um, but even with all of those notes, and I took pretty much all of them on the nose that you had, Brad, <laughs> it's just a little bit grain forward for me. Like it just yeah. smells a little youthful still on the nose. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that my overall experiences with this whiskey, I'd probably come out around a 35 out of 50. Like the palate is a really nice smooth cherry. It's got a few soft floral notes going on. The finish is is more tobacco. And and that for me is where uh, the finish is where a lot of the grain comes out. There's a lot mm. of corn and rye graininess coming out. Yeah. Um, but really, it's a nice dusty whiskey that has some interesting notes going on, a little bit of cherry. Uh, I'd probably fall right in that range of like, I, I think I'd recommend this. Yeah, I think that honestly, I had a different experience drinking it from you because where I'd usually notice youth on something is if it if it goes back to being grainy on the finish. And I didn't have that experience here. It was actually really grainy on the front for me, and it was nice and well-rounded towards the back. And I think what that told me was like, oh, this is really almost there. And it's not going to taste young when it gets to four years or however much older it needs to be. I think they're they're really doing something special here. And I would be super excited to see like a six-year version of this specific whiskey because the mash bill is working. And you can tell that the distillate is really good stuff. So like... Yeah, I, I would give it a thumbs up and just say, like, it is almost there. And whenever the special edition version comes out, because, you know, they should release one. I'm mm -hmm. in line for that one for sure. Yeah, so am I, Bob. Uh, this is a really impressive whiskey that I, I think that they are 100% on the right track at Yellow Rose. We've had whiskeys from distilleries on here before that the product in its current state is too young. And... In the back of our minds, we know that even when this product comes of age and is mature enough, it still probably won't knock your socks off. I will say, like, in its current form, I think both of these whiskeys are a little bit young for my liking. However, like, I legitimately would line up for a six-year version of either of these or an eight-year version of either of these, especially this outlaw bourbon. Yeah, in an absolute heartbeat. I, I would drive to Texas with you, Bob, to pick up a bottle of this. <laughs> All right. We want to say thank you again to Yellow Rose. Brad, let's get back into the bracket. I am super pumped, Bob. Let's get to it. Today's sponsor is a little bit of a departure from our usual area of expertise and... Man, oh man, I was blown away by their product once we received it. I am talking about Manscaped. Now, if you're like me at all, you've probably seen the Manscaped ads and kind of wondered to yourself, like, do I really need like some sort of specialty trimmer to take care of my downstairs business? And I've just got to be honest, I was absolutely wrong. Uh, their trimmer is called the Lawnmower 4.0. And I got to say, it is the Rolls Royce of trimmers. It's got a ceramic blade that reduces grooming mishaps, a wireless charging base, and an awesome flashlight that keeps things illuminated while you're working. And beyond all that, it's waterproof. This thing is really changing the game when it comes to below the belt hygiene. Now, this is just me talking about my experience, but this trimmer really is way beyond anything I've ever used to keep things neat and tidy. You can use our discount code film whiskey to get 20% off your order and free shipping head on over to manscape.com and use code film whiskey to get 20% off free shipping and you will be well on your way to hygiene heaven 
All right, everybody, that was Harris County, a bourbon that, man, oh, man, Bob, yellow rose. Come on. Mm. Thanks for the merch. Thanks for the... (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. Oh, man. Bob, I have one more filmy to give out, Uh and it is the Fisticuffs of Fury Award. (laughs) All right. Bob, out out of every single character... It, out of all the movies we watched this season, I think that the person who would win in just a pure backstreet brawl fist fight. Mm, okay. And I have to say it just because we, we we blasted it out so much earlier. But there's an obvious choice this season, Bob. It's Sylvester Stallone in Rocky Four. It's not Ivan Drago, the man who ah! literally killed someone with his fists. <laughs> I don't think so. If we're giving out the the best fists awards, the ones that killed someone, (laughs) I feel like they win it, you know? Yeah. See, (laughs) I think there could be an argument there. I think uh, uh, Edge of Tomorrow Tom Cruise could be up for it because he has a million times to practice fighting. Uh, I think that... Green Goblin's in there. Green Goblin's in there. If we're talking about time travel, um, Donald Gleason in About Time. Yeah. If he really wanted to, he could get really good at fistfights. Uh, I think Robert Duvall in uh, Secondhand Lions yeah. would give Drago a run for his money. Ro- Listen, man, people don't understand. Robert Duvall will f*** you up. That's what I'm saying, dude. You're sleeping on Robert Duvall. Uh, all right. I love it. The Fist of Cups of Fury Award. We'll, we will implement that from now on in every season. Yes. Yes. All right. Easily. We- we're going to continue with this alliteration of F sounds and get into our final four films here. Uh, starting on the left side of the bracket, the two remaining movies are Gone Baby Gone and Signs. Brad, here's how. Here's what I think. These are both movies that came off of my list. I think Gone Baby Gone is the better film. I think it's the more uh, complete movie. I think that it is tighter constructed. There's less flaws to it. Signs is a movie that has had my heart since I was 12 years old. And I said this on the last episode, the, you know, the dinner scene, Mel Gibson's performance is just outstanding. What this movie does well, I think it does better than almost any movie I can think of. And for that reason, I think Signs becomes my sentimental favorite and I moved it into the championship. See, I, this was a, a really tough decision for me as, as I recalibrated my bracket uh, after, after last episode's debacle. I was really struggling with this. I, I think that Signs from top to bottom just has such phenomenal performances from every single person that comes into the movie. Uh, whereas like Gone Baby Gone, like, you know, I said it in the, in the episode, I, I don't care for Michelle Mon- Monaghan as much. Uh, there's a few small parts of that movie that I think are, are a little bit weaker, but overall, I think Gone Baby Gone is the better film. Mm. And if I'm going to do anything today with the movies that I don't really care about as much, it's going to just flat out pick the better movie. Uh, and I think, I think Gone Baby Gone is just one of the best dramas thrillers crime movies of all time yeah and uh i'm gonna put it in over signs bob i will say this is the first time that i have been worried all bracket because (laughs) the possibility of a movie that means this much to me getting knocked out especially this close to the finish line so i'll go ahead and spoil my bracket signs won my bracket in an Mm. in an unexpected way brad what was your bracket winner 
Uh, my bracket winner was and will be Charade. Okay. All right. So, I mean, we'll see about that. But for now, <laughs> we have a coin flip to do. I'm very nervous, Brad. We're going to do Gone Baby Gone as heads, signs as tails. Brad, flip that coin. Bob, that is a heads. Oh, my gone, streak baby is gone. finally over. Dude, I went, what, 24 of 24 in the first round? You did go 24 <laughs> of 24 in the first round. I, <laughs> I'm not sure how many actual uh, coin flips there were. I believe you won about six or seven in a row. It was uh, tr- but- a truly outstanding streak. Yeah, it was. And I will say, if there was any coin flip I hoped went your way, it was this one. Yep. I, I was hoping that it would lose in the finals to Charade. <laughs> to make it that much more of a crushing blow. Oh, yes, 100%. I want maximum impact. Bob. Now, let's just entertain the possibility that Gone Baby Gone could be the winner this season, right? Yep. I actually would be really okay with that because talk about a movie that is underseen and underappreciated. Yep. Like if we can mm. shine even a small light on that movie, I'll be very happy. So like, yeah, as much as it hurts to throw signs into the inferno, into the abyss, gone, baby gone is moving on into the championship. We have one more matchup here. It's charade versus marriage story. And this is where what I said about charade before becomes a reality because I think marriage story top to bottom is a better film than charade and charade is an absolutely delightful caper romp, whatever you want to call it. Uh, it's suspenseful. Like I can't wait to go back and watch it again. Truly. I was blown away by how good that movie was. I just think marriage story is the better movie. And I did pick marriage story to move on into the championship. Bob, I think that marriage story is a technically better film, but I think that charade represents something that I just can't afford to lose to the fiery inferno. Mm. And like is there, that? there is something so beautiful about charade that it, it just represents the golden age of Hollywood. Mm-hmm. That there's something about what you know. This is what our, our friend of show Patrick H. Williams always says. There's something about beautiful people doing awesome things in beautiful places, mm-hmm. and and like that is charade through and through. Yeah. And I, I think that there's just something special in that type of movie making that we just don't have in, in film anymore. Mm-hmm. And Charade is on this perfect edge of not falling into some of the tropes of earlier versions of the golden age of Hollywood, but also not being a modern film. Mm-hmm. And so that is why I genuinely think that Charade is an important film that we move on to the next round. All right, man. That means well, after having absolutely no coin flips in the uh, in the <laughs> field of eight, we've had back to back ones in the final four. We're going to do charade is heads. Marriage story is tails. Flip the coin, Brad. Bob. Charade is moving on. Yeah. OK. All right. You were playing the long game. Now I see what you were doing this whole time. You. <laughs> so that means Bob, that after after getting all the way to the final four, 
with nothing wrong on my bracket that I have zero entries left in the championship. (laughs) Bob, I just think that you don't actually believe that I flipped the coin. I think sometimes you just smack your hand to make it sound like it, and then you go, oh, that's too bad. (laughs) (laughs) I have so much respect for the coin of destiny. I would never, ever in my lifetime mess with what we're doing here, Bob, there's a there's a dignity to to brackets that any American true blooded person could never mess with. Hmm. And, and I'm just saying. All right. Well, we need to steer away from this for a minute. We have a championship matchup set. It is a fraudulent championship. Hashtag not my champion. Uh, gone Baby Gone versus Charade. Who am I kidding? Like, seriously, both great movies. <laughs> and like if Charade wins, that's great because. Our podcast was founded upon watching old movies, and this season really heavily skewed towards new movies. So it it is nice to see something represented here from the 1960s. Brad, before we get into the championship matchup, every season we walk through our top five whiskeys. I'm going to count them down for us here, and I'd like you to give us your memories of them, because if there is one thing that you have short-term memory about, it is drinking whiskey. Last season, our number one whiskey of the whole season was Blanton's Straight from the Barrel. It was a bottle that it was bottled in 2002. We got a sample of it from our friends Bourbon and Stuff, and you described it in the episode as like life changing. And then like three weeks later, you <laughs> forgot that we had had it. So <laughs> it's tough, man. We drink a lot of whiskey. All right. Number five was Pendarin Portwood. I actually just took both of our Pender, uh, I'm sorry, I took two of our three Penderans to like a whiskey gathering at a friend's house a few weeks ago, and the Portwood was just fantastic. So I've just had this again. I mean, just a beautiful whiskey. Yeah, the the stuff that they're doing out of Wales in Penderan, Bob, is really stunning. And for a country that just like flies under the radar and has really long syllabled names for things... <laughs> Their whiskey is really, really good. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not surprised that the Portwood made it up there. In fourth place was Talisker 10-Year. This came out of a sample pack that we tried that featured the Talisker, it featured Kleinleash, and it featured Colila. And we, we liked the Kleinleash, we liked the Colila, but then we tried the Talisker, and it was like, oh, this is next-level stuff. And it's pretty affordable for a scotch. Cannot recommend that one highly enough. Yeah, I was going to say the Talisker 10 kind of came out of nowhere. Uh, like we we had been just on this run of scotches. And at this point, I was like, man, I, they, they're all running together for me. And then the Talisker 10 year just stood out so beautifully. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know if I would have guessed that that would have been in our top five, but I, I'm glad that it is. Third place was the Ardbeg Ugadal. Ooh, best best spelled. Oh, yes. Spelled name. Best spelled name <laughs> ever. Uh, I could talk about this one for hours, man, because I am not a peated scotch person, and this is right up there with Lafroy Galore as the best peated scotch we've had on this show, in my opinion. Yeah, Bob, this one was just this amazing mixture of all the fruits and the honey and this caramel and coffee, and then I just remember in the middle of it, it went from being sweet and and a little bit like coffee into this burst of peat and smoke and an explosion of flavor. Uh, yeah, the Ugadol, whew, 
That is a that is a damn good whiskey. Ugadol was my highest rated whiskey of the year. If that tells you anything, the guy who only likes very sweet bourbons loved Ardbeg Ugadol. So that's third place for us. Second place was the Glenmorangie 18. This was the last one that we featured in our month of Glenmorangies. Uh, kind of surprising to see it here, Brad, because I look back on that month of Glenmorangies and it just solidified in my mind that uh, the Quinta Rubin is like the platonic ideal of Glenmorangie. It's, yeah. it's at the perfect price point. It is just an exceptionally balanced whiskey. And I will say that the first two or three in that Glenmorangie sample that we tried were underwhelming for us. But we hit yeah. that 18 and it was like, okay, I get it now. This is a very yeah. expensive whiskey. And I understand why, because it was so much more complex than the other ones that we tried in that lineup. Yeah, there's just a, a fascinating amount of flavors. It was creamy. Dude, the, that Glenmore G18 is so, so good. <laughs> All right, we have one whiskey left. Uh, Brad could talk about this one for days. Right before I reveal what it is, we had two in our personal top fives that did not make the cut, so they'll be our honorable mentions. Brad, you had Ardbeg 10 as your number five whiskey of the season. Mm. Ardbeg just makes really, really good whiskeys, and... I'll say it, man. I earlier in the season, I said a few times I, when I reach for a whiskey, I'm not looking for a peated scotch. But last few weeks, man, I've I've been craving some Ardbeg, so uh, I'm not surprised to see that there's an honorable mention. And for me, my number five was Rebel Cask Strength. Anything from Rebel, I'm gonna put it close to my top five. The Cask Strength was fantastic. The Distillers Collection, fantastic. Uh, I could go on and on about that weeded bourbon all day. But Brad, our number one whiskey for the year. And the number one whiskey, according to you, that you have ever tasted is mm. barrel seagrass. That barrel seagrass. Ugh, I could wax poetically, Bob. <laughs> Just the amount of flavor and the richness and depth of that palate. And then all of the spiciness and the pop of the rye that's in there. That is a platonic ideal of whiskey. Now, I will fully admit that my score on that whiskey was inflated a little bit because you you gushed so much that I think it like the <laughs> the dopamine in my head was just going. And I was like, yeah, it's that good. It, it was the same thing that happened a couple seasons ago when Chris Blattner, the urban bourbonist, came on and we drank uh, Old Overholt 114, which is a very mm, yeah. solid rye. That somehow made it into our top five because Chris loved it so much that you and I ended up both giving it like over a 40. I don't like barrel seagrass as much as I've liked some of their other products. However, it absolutely deserves to be in our top five of the season. And I will I will give them as many awards as they want because barrel is probably my favorite producer of whiskey out there right now. They're just incredible. Dude, I'm telling you, man, I. The more we delve into the world of whiskey, the more I'm just really fascinated by blends and finishes. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they just give such unique, interesting flavors that you're not getting anywhere else. And barrel is, is just, oh, man. They're leading the charge. They're, they really are. All right. Barrel Seagrass, our number one whiskey of the season. Brad, it's time to figure out what our number one movie of the season is. It's our championship matchup. Can you give us your best uh, intro for these two movies? Bob, Gone Baby Gone is, I mean, what else can we say about it? It is one of the greatest crime thrillers ever created. I, like, 
I will die on the hill that Ben Affleck is like at best a B plus actor, but man, oh man, when he is directing, I think he has just some really amazing films. And I I don't know, man, I think maybe he just needs to direct more often, uh, especially when it's his little brother, Casey, because Casey turns in a stunning performance Mm -hmm. in this movie. Mm -hmm. All right. And in the other corner. What else? What else is there to say about charade? It it is a a caper. It is fun. It is fast paced. Uh, the the punchline at the end of the movie when when she talks about naming all five of their sons after him just that I just absolutely love this movie. Audrey Hepburn is just spectacular in this film. She is the epitome of charm. And yet still manages to portray fear and courage and all of these other things. I, Man, Charade is the movie that if I had to tell everyone in Film and Whiskey Nation to watch one movie out of this season, I think it would be Charade. All right. I think I know where you're going. What's your pick for season five's champion, Brad? Charade, baby. Let's do it. I, I promise I'm not doing this to be a contrarian. But my my championship matchup was Signs versus Marriage Story. So I did not even consider pitting these two movies that we actually have against each other. Gone Baby Gone was a movie from my list. It's a movie that I gave a 10 out of 10 to. Charade is a movie from your list, and it's a movie you gave a 10 out of 10 to. I would expect nothing less from us than to go to bat for the two movies that we picked. So I'm going to pick Gone Baby Gone, and we are going to make this come down to a coin of destiny flip for the season five champion. All right, so Gone Baby Gone is going to be heads. I'll, I'll let you choose. Do you want it to be heads or tails? It can be heads. That's totally fine. Yeah, we'll do heads. Before you flip, how do okay. you feel about the possibility of Gone Baby Gone winning? Um, I feel good about it. Yeah. I, I, think, I think what you said is true. I think Gone Baby Gone is a movie that I had never heard of. Um, honestly, that might have been that should have been probably my pick for most unexpected. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I like I think Hunt for the Wilder People was the better one, but well, the better pick for that award. But I I had never heard of Gone Baby Gone. I I was really blown away by what Affleck was able to do as a director in that movie. So yeah, I I think that more people need to see it. But if I'm being honest, I think the chances of people seeing it are higher than than they are of seeing Charade. Mm. So I, I'm I'm still going to die on the Charade Hill, man. <laughs> I'm the same way, man. If Charade wins, I've already said this. It's a classic movie, and I love shining a light on classic films. So let's do it, man. Heads is going to be gone, baby gone. Tails is going to be Charade. Let's flip that coin. Bob? Charade? is the winner of season five. I'm happy, man. I am too. Dude. Holy cow. First of all, you finally got one. You know, everybody gets one. I got one. (laughs) Everybody gets one, right, Peter? But also, how great is it that this is a movie that you introduced me to? Like, this whole podcast has been me introducing you to a bunch of stuff, some that you liked, (laughs) some that you didn't like, and this was one that I had been meaning to see for years, and once you said, hey, we got to watch that for the podcast, I held out. I waited till we could see it for season five, 
man, oh man, it has come all this way to be our season five champion. It will never, ever be thrown into the fiery furnace. I get to watch this movie the rest of my life. Yeah. I'm excited for that. <laughs> I think we should pour ourselves some barrel seagrass and we should watch this movie together in celebration. Brad, it has been a hell of a season. This was really fun. I'm glad we we themed our season this way. Yeah, I man, there's just this reality that the shared experience of watching films with other people is just meaningful. Like like cinema does so much for the human spirit to tell stories to explain why humans think the way they do uh all the way down to just be flat out entertaining and fun like like we like we had gone baby gone and spider-man in this season <laughs> like the campiest superhero movie ever made that is just an absolute blast so like the i i really think bob that season five of film and whiskey is like the reason people watch movies yeah. is to share things they love with one another. Well, we're going to take a couple of weeks off from our regular, our regularly scheduled content. We may have a few bonus episodes to help fill the time. We will be back on July 4th to kick off season six of Film and Whiskey. We are going to be theming season six around mini series of popular directors. We're going to fill in some gaps that we have missed up to this point. We're going to do some movies by Spielberg, some movies by Scorsese, and then we're going to kind of broaden things out a little bit. Brad, I'm I'm really excited for season six. It's going to be nice to kind of get back in the rhythm of watching movies that are considered stone cold classics. You know, is there going to be any sort of a, a hint, a spoiler to our first movie coming out on July 4th? Well, if you can put July 4th and Steven Spielberg together, I think you could probably guess what our first movie is going to be. And that's all I'll say for now, Brad. <laughs> Bob, I am just wildly excited for season six. We're going to get a preview episode up for you guys in a few weeks here. But Bob, it's been a pleasure, man. Yeah, man. Five seasons in. I'm I'm not talking to you for like three weeks. So enjoy your life. <laughs> I'll, I'll see you in a few weeks, man. All right. Hasta la vista, baby. We want to know what you think. Summarize season five for us. What do you think of our champion? Did we leave anything out? You can find us on our social media accounts, Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Film Whiskey. Or you can jump onto our Discord. We are on there every single day talking to you, the fans of the Film and Whiskey podcast. You can find a link to our Discord at the end of every one of our show notes. All right, we're wrapping up season five and signing off for the last time this season. I'm Bob Book. I'm Brad G. And we'll see you in season six. 